Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Trinity Brewhouse, and Mother Earth Wellness. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have comedian Michael Palisak. He has appeared on all of the late night shows as well as Last Comic Standing. Palisak has a busy touring schedule and will be stopping by the Greenwich Odium for a show on May. May 18th. Hi, Michael. Yes. It's John Fusick from Motif Magazine in Rhode Island. How are you? Good. How are you, John? So you're going to be at the Odium on May 18th, which is uh, about a week and a half away. Yeah. You're a new comic to me. I'm, I'm not as familiar, but I did a deep dive on you last night and this afternoon and watched every clip on your website <laughs> <laughs> to the end. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate the, the hit on the, on the site. So I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was, uh, I, I'm always, you know, I'm always leery when I approach a new comic because I'm not really sure what they're going to be like because I like certain kinds of comedy. I do like a lot of comedy and you were a yeah. new one to me and it was it was a good discovery to come across you and your comedy. Thank you. You're, you're quite busy too. I looked at your tour schedule, man. You're, you're out like on the road quite a bit. Yeah. You know, about during the pandemic, it was like nothing, you know? everything stopped for comics especially so when all the offers started coming in it was just like well yes is the only answer that i know right now and uh it's just been really good i started posting a lot of reels on instagram about a year ago and it's just really helped out so notice that you're listed as a tv writer who do you write for so i i i think on imdb they list that i've written for myself when i've been on the tonight show like my stand-up i think that's just what they count that as oh okay uh, for my special i did do like a uh, a workshop one time where we punched up a thing for disney tv animation but that's the only time i haven't written for myself like i, I wrote a pilot that we shot and then uh my stand-up that's been on specials or or, uh, or like late night shows so i i saw something about a tv series national lampoon series the bright side yeah what can you tell me what that is for sure. During the pandemic, the guy who we, we did a pilot for, he called The Bright Side and it didn't get bought. But then we just sort of did a scale down, basically a web series that I shot for my apartment during the pandemic where I would take a thing that people usually complain about and find the positives to it. And like sort of, sort of through like a monologue and an interview and like sketches, just show why this thing is great in a ridiculous way. But sometimes also, oh, that does make sense. And yeah, I just sort of did like, I think eight of them out of my apartment. And I directed them, shot and edited them pretty much all myself, except for like some of the and uh, it was really fun, and that was it. And my friend that produced the pilot all happened to work for National Lampoon at the time, so they kind of just sort of helped distribute it, but it was just basically a YouTube channel oh, for okay. that short amount of time. I didn't yeah. come across those, but I did see something yeah. listed about that. Yeah. So you've been on pretty much all the late talk shows. You've been on Colbert, Letterman, Leno, Corbin, and you were uh, you were on Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson, I didn't realize you went back that far. That's He's been off the air for quite a while. Yeah, I got to open up for Craig when he was performing near Chicago. Oh, you, and, you toured with him? Yeah, I did a couple dates. And the first show I did with them, I was living in L.A. at the time, but I, I was... My parents live in Chicago, so I get back a lot for shows. And so they had me open for him there. And I just had happened to go to a tape because it was right by my house. And I mentioned it to him. I really liked it. And he's like, oh, do you want to come do the show? And I was like, yeah. And so he had me on the show like twice. Oh, that's awesome. He's, he was my favorite of the late night people. And I was so disappointed when he went off the air. And I've, right? uh, I've yet to see him live. He was supposed to be here a few years back. And it was during the winter. And there was a massive snowstorm that it was the show was canceled and never got rescheduled. And he hasn't come back since. I mean, I know. No, he's doing the road 
or has been, so it should work out eventually. But I, I loved his show because it was so loose and the puppets and the, oh, like, yeah, the, ridiculous, I love that. the ridiculousness is what I think a late, late show when everyone's like up late at night wants and needs and uh, how he would just tear up the questions and just like talk. Yeah, that's he what I liked. Like, he he yeah. wasn't scripted. He was very, he would talk oh. about anything. Yeah. And it would throw was, some people. To me, he was kind of, his show was kind of like, it had that sense of like this homemade quality, even though it was CBS, it was just like, oh, this is Craig being funny. And when you have a show like that, it, it's always going to work because he's just being himself. And right. I really like that. Well, he's a super yeah. talented guy too. I mean, he wrote his theme yeah. song. He was a musician. He was an actor. I mean, he's done so many things. It was, it was, it yeah, was he brilliant. was a, he was a rock star first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people didn't know that, but I was like, I, and the thing about him is that always made me laugh is that he's a year younger than me. We're almost like a year apart because his birthday's like next week and so is mine. Oh, wow. And so he's like, he's going to be 61 and I'm going to be 62. So it's like he accomplished all that and I'm still like, oh shit, I, I pale in comparison <laughs> to him. <laughs> no, no, you know, he's from another country. Right, right. <laughs> so you you were on Last Comic Standing. Was that a big leg up for you in your comedy career? You know, I so yeah, definitely. I um I, I had done it the year before, but they didn't use me at all in the really? or whatever. And I, I didn't move on at all. And I met, like, I went to the after party and the producer's like, oh, you'll definitely do it. Definitely do it next year. We just didn't want to waste your stuff because they wanted me to be able to do it next year. And, uh, but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out where I ever got to do it. Like, I auditioned again but didn't hear anything and then I just heard from a friend they were doing it and I just emailed them a clip from Conan that I did and they're like oh yeah you didn't, you didn't come if someone fell out you can come do it and then I ended up going all the way to the last round and and then we got to do like 78 tour dates and um, like in my my show was like like Taylor Tomlinson was in the top 10 and she's huge now and yeah like, she is it was like it was a really cool really cool experience and Norm Macdonald was one of the judges and, and so to have him say nice things was really special I got to be on four episodes of a TV show on NBC and, and I think um, it helped a little for sure cool. uh, definitely financially with the tour but like just with <laughs> recognizing and, uh, and yeah are you considered a millennial uh, yeah I am actually uh um, I think Elijah Schlesinger has like a, a special called Old Millennial or something. It's el Elder Millennial, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the beginning. I was, I'm at the beginning of Millennials. Like, I was living at home before anybody else was. Uh, <laughs> I had those jokes. They were, look back, they're there. And, uh, and yeah, uh, we paved the way. We were uh, trailblazers for the Millennials that got to come after it. So how old are you uh, then? I was 82. I was born in 82. And I think the Millennial is 81 or 80. Oh, okay. Like when you're born. But, but it might, like, we're just right on the cusp. Oh. Like my older brother is not a millennial. He was seventy-eight. Oh, yeah. So you're forty. Yeah. You don't look no it. You look like you're still. You just got out of college still. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> if, you, if you want to print that I'm forty, that works. I, I think I think like I've always had like a youthful spirits and then like doing stand up you don't have you work for yourself like the hours can be long with travel and stuff but this I rare if I ever have the weight of the world on my shoulders it's my own fault which mm. I guess it's the case with everybody but it's not like I'm a high priced lawyer or like a surgeon so I think maybe and I didn't become a dad until recently so I didn't have that stress either of keeping someone alive and happy oh so you're uh, a dad now yeah I have a four year old I was I was 36 when I became a dad and it's funny I I never became so efficient and productive till I had a child that was taking all my time away from me. Oh, wow. It's so crazy how it does it. Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you, did you marry Sam? No, no. We were never married. We were together for about... Um, turn it into my Howard Stern interview. Uh, I, uh, we were married, we were together for like six or six years. We had a baby in year five and we both wanted to be parents. So we were very excited about that. And then, uh, it just, we lived like a 20 minute walk, 
like a five minute drive and Jack sort of splits time in both places. And uh, it's a very functional week. We spent holidays together. We went to Disneyland together. We try to do all the things that Jack would do as a family together still. So you're not a couple anymore. We're not a couple. Your com- all the comedy clips I wa- watched, you kept referring to as your girlfriend and you had this, yeah. you know, it was like, it was, you know, we celebrated, uh, it would have been, it would be two years, a year ago or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you had this yeah, long maybe. running joke about her as your girlfriend. And I was going to ask if you, if you finally moved in together, but I guess not. <laughs> we were together, but I haven't done like I haven't released anything since we broke it up. So like, yeah, if you were just to watch everything on the internet, it would look like I have a girlfriend. But right, I, do right. not, I do not have a girlfriend. Do you live in LA? Yep, we live in uh, like North Hollywood, Toluca Lake area. It's right by the Burbank Airport, which is the best airport ever to fly out of because it's such a small airport and easy. And uh, I love LA because I'm not, I, when I was in Chicago, I lived with my parents. So this is like the first city I've lived in. And you know, you can go to Dodger games really easy and the beach is there. Like, I don't, we don't really go to the beach a ton, but uh, I, li- I like being in LA a lot. Oh, that's cool. Your whole thing with uh, your your parents is, is pretty funny. The whole thing with your, you discuss the washing machine, how they had this great yeah. washing machine that would, you'd put your clothes in and then you'd come home and they were folded on your bed. I mean, that joke worked really well until my mom heard it and then it just stopped. <laughs> the washer dryer just stopped working once you came to a show. That was a great. Um, that was a great one. I really liked that. But the whole thing with your yeah. parents and the money and uh, you just you just pushed the whole thing, the envelope on the parent, the living with the parents thing, which was great. Thank. Yeah, I think like. I think Conan said one time that middle children become comedians a lot. And I don't know the rule, but I think for me, it was like my older brother went out, became an engineer and didn't like it. So my parents were just happy that I was doing something I liked. So they were happy to have me around and we got along really well. And like they became my, you know, the, my friends, like they would travel and see me. Like they were at the Tonight Show when I did it and they took a picture with Jay. Like it was like, they became not only like my support system, but like people who I really like sharing stuff with. And it was a very happy experience to do a lot of jokes about. My parents do the same thing to me. They, I mean, my parents are in their 80s and, you know, my yeah. my mother's gonna be 83 my father's gonna be 88 and they still come out like i have a band and they'll come out and see my band sometimes which is kind of cool that's awesome yeah. yeah that's really cool so you have i you made a quote and now that you have a kid i'm wondering how how this how this quote has aged you said that kids cost more than they're worth <laughs> yeah it's funny i wrote that joke before i was ever knowing i was going to be a dad and then i became a dad and some people watch it from that perspective too they do cost a lot um but yeah i think that's the only like everything i say on stage is true and like my only, but I would say the only thing that I like, you no, know, they're priceless. Like my child's the best thing that ever happened to me. I love him so much, and it's it's the best. It's so much fun, and the cost of like spending time with them is a very minimal charge for the joy that I get to have being a dad. Well, that's good. But you don't think about that when you got two hours of sleep and he wants to wake up or whatever. Like, or you got to make another meal because he didn't eat the first one, and all of a sudden he wants to eat before bed. Like all that stuff. I think if you're a parent, you relate to it. If you're not a parent, it's also funny. But like, you can complain about it because you love them. Right, right. No, I was just wondering because I was I didn't know if you had kids at that point and you you know you made a comment about being a parent is like being an intern and that yeah and also that uh, it seems like uh, being a parent was like a makeover in reverse <laughs> well like I grew up in a small town where my friends became parents like early on and like I had other friends that were parents and doing comedy and they just looked so worn down so I got to see it from this side first and I was never like oh I never want to do that I was just like oh they look like very apparent uh oh I'm losing uh, you I'm losing you oh no I didn't know T-Mobile you've seen it by T-Mobile jokes so that's oh what that's what I have too <laughs> Yeah, I'm driving, but it should come back. Okay. I didn't plan on not having reception. <laughs> uh oh. Looks like we've lost Michael for a minute. Might have to call him back. Hello? 
Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Michael. Oh, good. Oh, I've been trying to get back to you. I apologize, right? I just lost reception and I just got it back. I'm going to pull over here so I don't lose it again. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were like, oh, I've had it with this guy. I don't want to talk to him anymore. Not at all. I tried <laughs> to plan it so it would be perfect, but it turned out I was just a dead spot. So I'm here. I'm not moving. Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can. Okay, great. Where are you all headed to? I'm, I was driving from Boise to Bozeman, so I'm like, I was I'm literally in Yellowstone Park right now. Oh, wow. You have a gig yeah. tonight? Yeah, yeah, in Bozeman. What time is your gig? Uh, 7. Oh, what time is it now? It's uh, 4.42. Yeah, I'm, yeah, in yeah. East, I'm in East Coast, so, wow. So you're you're going from Idaho to Bozeman. How long of a drive is that? It's uh, it's almost eight hours, but um, I did half of it yesterday. Oh, okay. I've been to Bozeman before. It's, it's kind of nice out there. Yeah, it's been beautiful, other than the fact that I couldn't talk to you. <laughs> That's where they do that program, Yellowstone, is Bozeman. Yeah, yeah. Do you drive you most of, a lot of your gigs, or you fly? I flew into Boise, and then I'll, I rented a car, and I'll drive it all the way to Spokane, and then I fly back home, and then I'll fly back to Boise and rent a car and drive it up to Oregon and Seattle and, and uh, Portland, and then do the whole thing again. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot of travel. Yeah. Do you uh, write a lot of your jokes while you're driving? You know, it's hard to write them down, but uh, I'll think of things for sure. I found at this point in my career, thinking is the most valuable thing I can do. I, when I drive, and I, it's funny because Mark Marin does the same thing. It's I drive and I have like a little holder with uh, index cards, and I write down song ideas on those. And I I was listening to a Mark Marin thing where he writes down on post-it notes, and he says, you know, you know, yeah, it was almost worth killing that kid. <laughs> Or something like that. He didn't kill a kid, but it yeah. was you know you no, try to you try to write down and swerve on the road at the same time. But. Yeah, I don't. I do, I try to be as safe as possible. I trust that if it's uh, if it's worth anything, it'll stay in my brain until the next time I can can uh, take a break. Well, that, that works until you get to be my age, and then it starts to slip away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then you get a, like a voice recorder. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to do it. It's pro I have one of those, but it was never charged, so I had to give up on that. <laughs> you mentioned a lot of your Catholic upbringing in your in your routine. Uh, it says yeah. you, you made a thing that says you're a practicing Catholic, but you haven't made any gains yet. Yeah, yeah. That, but there was a one quote that you made, and it was a response to gay marriage and gay uh, adoption, I guess, or procreation. And you made this quote, and I thought it was perfect. It said, using science to ex exclude people from something, maybe you should rethink your uh, argument one more time as far as religion. Yeah, like when a religion uses science to exclude people, because it's like, you're a religion. You don't really Exactly. I thought that was a brilliant, a brilliant observation when you made that. Thank you. You were an English major in college. Yes. And that's when you started comedy? Yeah, I uh, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, and then my parents moved to Illinois, and I was home for the summer when I was a sophomore in college, and there was an open mic at a comedy club for a new talent night at a comedy club by my house, The Barrel of Laugh. I just signed up and went up, and I was I just turned 20 when I started doing stand-up. So what was your, your inspiration to do that other than the open mic? I mean, were you a yeah. particularly funny kid, or, you know, you were a joker, or, you know, 
know, it's just something that you say, hey, I'll give this a try. You know, I think there's, I mean, there's all types of comedians, but I think there's the comedian that's like funny in school, you know, and like and good at that. And then there's the funny, the comedian, like I was really, I was pretty quiet, I think, growing up, but I really liked funny things. And my dad really valued comedy and comedians. He revered stand-up comedians. And I always enjoyed when we as a family got together and laughed and stand-up just seemed like the perfect thing. I was at a bookstore and I found a book on stand-up and in the back of the book, it listed open mic. And one of them was like 10 minutes from where my parents had just moved to. So I called the number and got like, you had to sign up ahead of time and got a spot. And then a month later, I did a set and that was it. How did you prepare your set? I mean, what was your material like if you'd never done it? Oh, it didn't work. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like I read the book and then I came up with jokes. And the only time people laughed that first set was when after a joke, I would be like, that didn't work. And then they, that was like my get her done. That was my catchphrase was that didn't work. Um, Because it was honest. And, uh, but there were two jokes that I wrote that I forgot to do on that first set that I did my second time. And those work. That always stuck with me in the sense of like the things that you think are funny aren't necessarily the funny things. It's the things that are just you, that are just true to you, that people are going to connect with. They have to have that connection for a lot of times for it to be funny at all. Now, has your English degree uh, given you any other uh, comedy references besides uh, the only thing you understood about capitalism is that <laughs> after a period there had to be a big letter or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So when I when I was in school, it was like an English lit major, and we had to take a, uh, a linguistics class, and then we talked about there's a guy named T.S. Eliot. And one thing I remember from that class is like our teacher said that Eliot believed that creativity came from like putting boundaries on what you're writing about. Like if someone was like, write about anything, that's not going to make you very creative. But if you put yourself in a little tiny box, that's where all like the really good stuff's going to come out of. And I think that stuck with me as a stand-up to where like when I started, everyone was like, you got to obviously be original, but talk about yourself. And I wanted to be clean. And I, and some people might see those as like, uh, like hurdles or like, in the way of being creative but I looked at it as a way to make me more creative because I had to get it within it was kind of like a game like it's got to be within these things and then once you get the premise then you're like oh now it's got to be a joke that connects to this premise and so I always always looked as like as these parameters as like a really good thing um, rather than uh, uh, negative and I, I got that from Dr. Fontana and T.S. Eliot at Xavier University. This is where you can incorporate your religion and your family values and that kind of stuff into what you do? For sure, yeah. Like, I think um, I took some improv and writing classes at Second City and they were very much like every joke, every sketch should be like, you're sort of making change. Like, they wanted like social change and I don't really have a lot of jokes like that but the gay marriage one sort of became that. Like, I didn't, I had a thought and I was like, oh, I want to write something about this and then it just sort of came out and then it worked on it and, and it became what it was and I really liked it as a joke i think it really works as a joke i think it makes sense to people some people push back because they believe completely the opposite thing or they get very sensitive when you talk about religion but i don't shy away from that from that joke specifically at all because it just makes so much sense to me in the logic of it there are comedians like bill ma who is totally you know more agnostic atheist and you know mark maron's the same way and i think probably bill burr is he pushes the limits on religion as well but who are you your comedians that you like uh as a kid like we only had my parents were kind of strict so it was like like Cosby and Seinfeld. Um, We all know how Cosby worked out. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But he was clean, right? So that's good. Um, So 
like those are the people I knew. I saw a, uh, a ventriloquist as a kid that I thought was very funny. I don't remember his name, but he was really funny. And my whole family watched him on TV. And that was the first time I think I remember seeing a stand-up comedian anytime. And then being like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like I liked sports growing up. But when I saw the comedian, there was like this like fire of like, oh, wow. that's And that stuck with me. And I was like six. So I think that was probably the first. And then when I became interested in comedy again as an adult, Mitch Hedberg was really, really big for everybody that started around my time. And then, uh, and then it became, I remember I would be working at different clubs and hosting and featuring for people. And I would just ask every other comedian, like, who's your favorite comedian? And uh, Bill Burr and Louis C.K. were the guys that people would consistently be like, these are the best guys. And it was before they're like, they were really huge. And so they became the guys I listened to and, and really liked. And like two out of four of those guys are are still alive and not, you know, uh, canceled by society. So it's not a bad percentage. <laughs> Um, and then I like Chris Rock. I, you know, then the people like Chappelle and Chris Rock, like the, the guys that everybody watches are the women. Like I opened for Kathleen Madigan a lot and she's amazing. Um, yeah, I saw that. I did a podcast with her recently and I, I wanted to see her and I didn't, for some reason, I didn't get a chance to go to the show, but I did notice that you're open for her and she's, I love her stuff. She's hysterical. She's really good. Her new special on Amazon Prime is so funny. Yeah, I love and, her stuff. I've rewatched her special over, I mean, some of these specials like Burr and Madigan and Mark yeah. I've almost got them memorized. I've watched them so many times. Yeah. Um, there's another yeah. guy that I, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's one of my favorites, and I've watched this special, I don't know, maybe 25 times as Ryan Hamilton. Oh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I love him. He was such, I, we saw him, uh, I did an interview with him, and he was such a nice guy, and his comedy is so funny, and that special, his Happy Face special, is, I've just watched it over and over again, and it just makes me laugh constantly. Yeah, he's so good. That special is very funny. I, I, like, I kind of, he's a little farther, further along than me, but I, I got to work with Ryan. So I, he, I just was texting him yesterday because I was in his home state. And he's so funny. His Conan, his first Conan, it's on YouTube. Like I show, I would show that to multiple people. It's like, this is like the best late night set I've ever seen. Like, it was just so funny. The joke about uh, how he doesn't drink, but he listens when he's out and he just shows up at the park with baby carrots. Cause everyone's like, we're going <laughs> to yeah, I love that it's one. It's just like. <laughs> Just destroys. I love Ryan Hamilton is very, very yeah. He's really yeah. Good. That's he. You kind of reminded me of him when I was watching oh, your man. special because it yeah. it is. It's you have a very clean approach to it. Almost almost like yeah. Tom Papa. Pa Tom Papa is pretty clean too. Yeah. And it's more well, like a family comedy, but it's it's edgy, but it's funny, and it's like you have a little bit of a naivete to you as well, because it's like you you still exude this boyish quality to you, and it, it just you just come across as you know uh, kind of like the underdog in a way, or just kind of you know shy, but you come across with these profound statements. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I mean, as a stand-up, you just have to work kind of, especially starting out, at least I did, from joke to joke, and just hope that it grows. So and hope that people like it. Um, but the people, yeah, that you mentioned they're very very good one of the things that i thought was funny is how you uh you related to the book 1984 how you said oh <laughs> things have gotten much better since then <laughs> and then you made a comment about something of being in college and uh, somebody told you that Freebird was the top suicide song and you said <laughs> it must take an awful long time to kill yourself or something yeah yeah that must take forever and then the other thing that's funny and i don't know if you still have this problem is your allergies your drug problem with allergies that was the only <laughs> drug problem you had you told your mother you know, your mother didn't want you to become famous and become a drug addict. And you said the only drug addict you're going to become is nasal spray or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did have a lot of allergies growing up. And then during the pandemic, it all kind of went away. 
Wow. Which is weird. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was I wasn't able to see the doctor anymore. We just didn't keep doing medication. And then after like the two years, I was like, well, I think you're fine now. So and it, people do grow out of them. But I remember when I, when, at the time, uh, I used to take Nasonex a lot. And it's it's for everybody now. But at the time, the prescription went up to like ridiculous amounts. And I couldn't get it. So that's why I was like, oh, that, that's where that comes from, is that Nasonex was like $500 with insurance. What was, uh, oh, I can't think of the, com- the comedian's name. Uh, he did the Mucinex commercial. TJ Miller. TJ Miller. I, I interviewed him. That's what, he just made me think of T.J. Miller when you're talking about that. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he and I both started in Chicago, so like I, I know T.J. Yeah, he was he was a really nice guy. Um, yeah. So, uh, so what do you, you want to tell me about your, what kind of a show you're going to have an opener at this show? Um, is it just you, or what? What can we expect from your show at the Odeum on on March, May 18th? Oh, get my dates right. May 18th. Is it May, is it May 18th? Let yes. Me check that. May 18th. Yes, it's May 18th. <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like there will be an opener uh, that the, the the venue bit booked, and so they'll go up and do you know probably like 25 minutes, 20 minutes. And then I'll go on and do like my hour or whatever, a little longer. And uh, if people want to see what my standup is like, they're like they can follow me on Instagram or you know go to my website like you did. And basically, all the material I've ever done that's been on a special or an album is out there. And then the stuff that I'm doing live is not out there. So you can go see if you like me. And then you can come watch the new stuff if people are interested. So you have, a, you have a live album out too? Uh, well, I have I have three different albums that I recorded over the past, you know, my career. And those are all out there on uh, like iTunes or whatever. And then uh, my dry bar and my Comedy Central Half Hour are on the internet. And then, uh, so dry bar is a, is they have an app and it's a streaming kind of thing, but basically it's out of, they shoot it out of Utah and it's all clean comedy. They, you film like a half hour special and then they put it on YouTube and people watch it. And so I'd like a half hour special that's yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. I watched that. I just didn't know what dry bar was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's what it is. They, there's a ton of specials out there and they basically the only rule is it has to be appropriate for oh. everybody. So your your comedy yeah. is as approachable is acceptable by pretty much it's PG rated probably. Yeah, I would say it's PG. Um, like a lady asked if she could bring kids. Like I don't think you could def you could definitely bring kids, but it's not like I talk about you know getting a job and like some things that adults might understand better, but it's not sex related or swearing at all. I was watching a comedy special the other night, and there was an 11 year old kid in the audience. I think it was uh, oh John Mulaney. And oh wow! He, there was an 11 year old kid in the audience, and the things he was talking about was his addiction problem and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So. Mulaney has a young audience because of uh, all the SNL hosting. I think all the kids watch that show and then they come out and it's great because yeah. he sells. Well, I I mean I I thoroughly enjoyed what I saw and uh, I, I like I said I you know I love discovering new comics. You're a new comic to me. I watched like I said I watched everything on your website and I enjoyed every bit of it. It was all funny. There was some profound stuff on there I like. It was clean cut, so it's you know you can bring the family if you want. Yeah. It looks like it'll be a fun night out and uh, to laugh. Yes. Yeah the goal i want to be everyone be able to laugh together and have a good time well it looks like you're succeeding all right well hopefully i'll see you that night and uh i really appreciate you taking the time good luck in bozeman tonight i have some friends Thanks. out there For and sure. uh, uh I, I appreciate you taking the time especially pulling over and talking after we got <laughs> cut off <laughs> All right. Well, great. Thank you very yeah. much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it, and I enjoy your stuff and look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Okie dokie. Thanks to Michael Palisak for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Michael Palisak will be at the Greenwich Odium on May 18th. For more, look on the bright side and get over to 
GreenwichOdium.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Providence Ballet Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Trinity Brew House, and Mother Earth Wellness. Thanks for listening. Thank you.